Welcome to the Intentional Guy Podcast, where we are driven to help men become more intentional and purposeful in their daily lives. Your host, Michael Chestnut, will interview amazing guests to get insight and glean wisdom from so we can integrate intentional living and lead happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lives. All right, let's get started with the show. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Intentional Guy. It's so great to have you with us again today. So this week, we are going to focus on marriage. And I am a big component of being, let's be more intentional in our walk, but especially as husbands, let's be intentional in our walk with our wives. And I am one of those guys big for sticking my foot in my mouth all the time. So today we have with us special guests, Doug and Leslie Davis. Thank you for joining us. Uh, the, the vision-driven marriage, I love that right there. But I would love for you guys to introduce yourself to us today. And one of the things we were talking about was the six marriage mistakes uh, you make as soon as you open your mouth, which is me. And, I think it's a lot of us. You know, and, I, and I've had to look. And you know what? Some of it is out of nervousness. And uh, for me, not feeling like I was worthy enough or smart enough to lead my family, you know, and so a lot of humor, I would use humor and stuff to be a buffer, but that humor was speaking stuff over my wife that wasn't really kind, you know, and so when I changed that, I saw how she looked at me differently and I loved it. You know, so, but anyways, they've heard, they've heard me talk plenty. So let's, let's talk to you guys. If you would introduce yourself to us. We, we are Doug and Leslie Davis. I've uh, been the pastor at the Arthur Southern Baptist Church for the last 17 years. And by God's grace, have had the opportunity to, to do a lot of premarital counseling. And uh, my wife, Leslie, is a counselor at our church. And uh, she does a lot of not only uh, help with people before they're married, but then after as well. And right. so she's been doing that for how many years now? 12, I believe. Since 2008. So, uh, you know, so a little that? over that. Um, <laughs> and so we've had the opportunity to share some things. And at first we had a real struggle because we thought, why, you know, what, what is it that really allows us to be able to speak to any of this? Because we have the same, you know, shortcomings and the same mistakes mm. that anybody Issues. else has. Mm -hmm. um, and then we realized it was just the grace that God's poured into our lives. He wants us to be able to share that with others. We've uh, been married now this summer. It'll be 34 years. And so, wow. Congratulations. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Well, you know, she, she probably deserves sympathy. I deserve congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's one, it's one of those things where, you know, we really struggled for a while with because uh, we were so blessed with so many good things happening in our marriage. You know, the big question was, why why would anybody listen to what we have to say? And then God showed us that as he pours into us, he wants us to be able to share that with others. Oh, yes, definitely. And so a little bit more of the introduction. We do the Vision Driven Marriage podcast together. And uh, that that was fun to get that started because we had not had an opportunity to share a stage very much together. Occasionally we spoke at, um, we have a solidify your marriage conference that we do. And um, so we've shared the stage there like in person and then COVID hit and oh. you know where it goes from there. Right. Yes. And so, so being behind the microphone together has kind of created this whole new dance that, 
that we're learning how to do together. And so, but uh, God laid it on our heart and we said, okay, I guess this is what we do next. <laughs> there you go. Well, I love the vision driven marriage. I love that because one, I know for me, I was lacking vision, you know, not, but not just as a husband, just as a man. Yeah. And I was, you know, if you, if you, we've learned if we don't have any goals, if we don't have any direction, we're going to end up somewhere, mm -hmm. you know? So where are we going to end up? And I want to have a little say in where I end up. And so, you know, um, be more intentional, name of our podcast, with life. And that has really changed everything in the last several years of our life because that intentionality is so important. But I realize too that my vision and the things I was worried about, my wife was dying for me to do. I didn't think I was worthy enough to lead her. If that's what she desired the most was for me to be the leader in our house, you know, not to be the guy who says what to do and this and that, but to show vision and to pray with her. I couldn't even pray with my wife. I didn't pray with my wife for years. And now that's a struggle. Yes. Because how vulnerable is that? Right. And we and were I there too. I mean, we didn't pray together for, for many years and um, not until probably in the last I say probably the last seven or eight years, seven. probably. Yeah. Right. And, and I think a lot of it is because it's so easy for us to feel like I might not do it quite right. And then if one thing goes sideways, instead of looking at it as an opportunity to be able to meet a challenge, we look at it as a failure. And, you know, too often we back off uh, when we're met with a challenge. And, you know, I love the fact that, that intentional is not only the name of, of your podcast, The Intentional Guy, but also that intentional is the, the concept you keep bringing up because it's, it's also what God's spoken to us. That's the whole mm -hmm. idea behind being vision driven. Yeah. Right. Intentional. Well, I, I appreciate you guys coming on here and, and giving us uh, some information that would help us. Let's let's jump over to the six marriage mistakes you make as soon as you open your mouth and how I want to hear how to avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't we all and yeah so one of the things we we do want to share with uh with your listeners is that uh leslie and i have the opportunity to be able to look at this from a couple of different perspectives the obvious one i'm looking at it as a man she's looking at it as a woman and you know all of all of us realize that we are very different we can get to the same place but right. the way we go about it often doesn't look the same. And, right. you know, it's one of the things that attracts us to our spouse in the first place. And then it can lead us to really be frustrated by our spouse later on. And so, you know, as as we look at this, she's going to be able to bring a perspective, though, that, that has a lot to do with counseling, has a lot to mm -hmm. do with the uh, the opportunity to help your uh, not only your emotional wellness, but your spiritual wellness. Mm -hmm. And and the perspective that I'll bring most of the time is the perspective of a pastor. I, I love to see what God's intention is and what God's word says. And so we'll be sharing a little bit of both of those perspectives today. So let's <laughs> jump in. All right. Our first, our first one, the first thing not to say to your spouse is what's wrong with you? Because Ooh. that is such a confrontational and accusatory statement that it just immediately shuts down conversation. And not only does it shut down conversation, but it undermines the connection. 
And, you know, when you're talking about being intentional in your relationship, it's that intentionality is what's going to build up a connection with your spouse, connection in that relationship. And so many times the words that come out of your mouth are the things that can just tear that down. Right. And so, so that first thing is what's, What's wrong with you? Or or anything that means that, you know, yeah. because it's okay, it's okay for us to evaluate a situation and realize um, that, you know, that, that perspective doesn't seem to make sense. But instead mm-hmm. of looking at it from what's wrong with you perspective, that shuts down communication. Instead, we need to be really inquisitive and start yeah. finding out what's going on, you know, because what we probably meant instead of what what's wrong with you is why are you reacting this way? This doesn't make sense. And right. so if we ask the question with a little more intentionality, you know, a little more specificity, we're able to get some answers instead of getting a shutdown. And yeah. If you start it, if you start that whole conversation with this doesn't make sense, like like Doug was saying, then that tells your spouse the the position that you're in with I'm not understanding you, you know. Right. So because with you saying what's wrong with you, it has a tone to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. T- my wife doesn't do tone very well. I give it. I don't take it very well. <laughs> but, but I see, like that. Other, yeah. And one of the other things is when we say something like what's wrong with you, there's also an implication that mm-hmm. there's a right way to do this. And you and have you failed. Did, you, right. And you failed. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when you're when it's coming from the wife's point of view to the husband's point of view, it it would trigger that it's a failure, you know, when they're trying so hard not to be a failure, like they don't, you know, that's not ever a husband's intention in, in their lives to be a failure for their wife. But man, that conveys that, uh, that conveys that sentiment, you know, what's wrong with you? Like you just screwed this all up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, let me, can I ask you real quick? Do you think, see, that's, that's me. Is it, are most men that way they're worried about being a failure with their, their wife? Yeah, Do you think that's think what, so. one of our common fears? Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, Doug would be better off to speak to that, but I've seen that a lot in the counseling office. But, you know, one of the things that I didn't realize early on in our marriage was that he had that fear too, but because of his um, personality and his leadership skills and, and just the way the dynamic in our relationship went, I didn't realize that he struggled with that. Like that was kind of a hidden part of him. And I didn't learn that about him until, you know, a lot later. And, and I've never thought that he was a failure. I mean, even, even when, you know, there were some things that, you know, early on in our marriage, I mean, we haven't done everything right. You know, there's been times where things get kind of messed up, but I have never thought that he was a failure, you know? And if I maybe knew that that was something that he was thinking about or struggling with, I would have been able to speak positive things into that for him. But see, that that's something, Michael, that I think that when you express that that you deal with that, I think a lot of men do, but for different reasons. You know, Mm -hmm. one man will have uh, a different motivator why he feels that way than another. But I think one of the common threads is we've been given a gift to be able to be responsible for the people we love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not very popular today because and and it's not because our wives can't do very, uh, pretty much everything for themselves. Of course they can. We, you know, we've been blessed with, uh, with wives who are intelligent and capable and can do all these things for themselves, but we've been given the responsibility by God to take care of the people we love. 
And I think that that responsibility causes us to feel like a failure if we think we haven't loved them properly. And so Mm. with this first, with this first of the six things, you know, the what's wrong with you statement, as soon as you say it, you've kind of messed up. It goes back to a concept that's really misunderstood right now, because we know that God has commanded us as husbands to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. And we feel that responsibility, whether we can put words to it or not. We feel that weight. And so we want to be able to love our wives well. We want to be able to, you know, to be obedient to that call even before we can put words to what it looks like. And so, you know, we want to encourage you rather than saying something that would make her feel unloved to be able instead to ask questions so that she knows she's valued. Then -hmm. you're able to still get to the root of the matter. What's going on? This doesn't look like you this isn't something that you would normally do or something that I don't but understand. she would feel loved instead of unloved and eliminates that opportunity for us to feel like we failed but for the ladies uh often they get the same opportunity though as as they speak to their husbands they can make them feel disrespected yes yeah that that yeah. would because that is a very disrespectful you know what's wrong with you in the tone that's a very disrespectful kind of way to come across in that absolutely and all you're going to so- do is put walls up on each side. Me and my wife are really good with walls, you know? (laughs) And so that you're not, what you're trying to accomplish, are you getting what you're trying to accomplish? (laughs) Probably not. Right. And and so ultimately it comes down to uh, how can we be more obedient to that call that God's placed in our lives in, in Ephesians five, where husbands are supposed to love their wives and wives are supposed to show respect to their husbands. And, and so I guess the question is, can I find out what's going on in a way that is loving to my spouse mm-hmm. or ladies, a, a way Respectful. that respects my husband mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. instead of shutting them down because they feel unloved or feel disrespected? Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, how about two? Well, number two, something that you shouldn't say, or that's a mistake if you let it come out of your mouth, right? is you're always so lazy. Yeah, or it's any statement that's always or never is basically it. We're just giving one example. But anytime you say you always or you You never, never, chances are that's not true. Mm. Because generally always and right always and never you don't you just shouldn't you should always never say that (laughs) (laughs) should just not (laughs) yes yes general generally sweeping you know sweeping generalizations are something that if you realize that that's something that you're doing it's you you just take a step back mm-hmm. and say, okay, why is this a general statement? And you know, why do I feel the need to um to have this sweeping generalization? And it may be because whatever was said, there's something underlying that that can't be said. That's not you're not able, like for instance, you will use the 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 example, you're always so lazy. Mm-hmm. I have seen wives say that to their men and, you know, of course, you know, into the counseling office for, you know, marriage counseling or whatever. But what's what the underlying thing is, is that she she could have said instead of you're always so lazy is I feel unimportant or unvalued because you won't do what you say you'll do, Hmm. you know, in, in whatever it is. I fix the garage door you know, look at the, change the oil in the car, whatever the, whatever it was, if he said, 
I'll do that just to get her to be quiet, you know? And then, so then it, it has to become louder or it has to become an always or a never statement because it's not then just about the issue that's been said. And, yeah. and the reason that becomes so dangerous, you know, we're, we're sharing again from the, the counseling perspective, whether it's the pastoral counseling or in her counseling office. Yeah, because we, we never talk to each other like that. <laughs> always. But what, what we hear is we, we hear people say things like, you're never on time or you always uh, are selfish or you're always lazy. And what and, and what that does, what we've discovered is that will cause the spouse who hears, you know, you're never on time. That that's just, that's something that she thinks is unredeemable about me, mm -hmm. you know, or you're always, you know, you're always so lazy. That's just the character trait. That's who she thinks I am. So there's no fixing it. Because and so it, what that does is that causes such a barrier in relationship. It does two things. The first thing it does is the spouse that hears that feels that that is their identity. And the second mm -hmm. thing that it does is the spouse that, that says those things starts to believe that their spouse is irredeemable and it drives a wedge in the relationship oh, yeah. when the focus needs to be intimacy. God desperately wants us to become more and more intimate mm -hmm. with our spouse yeah. rather than having things come between us. Yeah. And that, that is so to say that is so defeating yeah. that it's, it can knock the wind, especially men. It can knock yes. the wind out of us that we feel like, and then get paralyzed in it. And I, and yeah. I, this is something common. I hear a lot, what you just brought up with couples and, a lot of it is because, like you said, the man said, I will take care of this. Like, right. I, I know, like the finances, I will take mm -hmm. over this, I will do this, but then never follows through with doing right. it. But the underlying right. thing is he doesn't feel he's good enough to do that. And then the more we say this, the more he feels that way. So the more we go down into that rabbit hole and don't come out of it. Right. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. And and the thing is, is that 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 vicious cycle downward, that spiral downward can so quickly be changed to a spiral upward with just a different choice of words. Because we think that communicating is just saying words, but you can say words without actually listening and working through a circumstance. A communication, but especially in your marriage, communication is going to be sharing what's going on, listening to what's being said mm -hmm. and asking questions so that you become people who are on the same page. Mm -hmm. The problem is with most people in communication, they're not listening. They're thinking about what they're going to say next right? instead of listening to the other person. And I am terrible about that. Especially when we're frustrated. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Especially when we're frustrated. I've taught many clients in the counseling office how to re how to reflective listen you know, so that the person that they're talking to knows that they're listening to them and that they have heard twice than what that person has said because they're <laughs> reflecting it back to them. So they've heard it once when they heard it and they're hearing it again as they say it back. Yes, because the truth is what I was thinking I was hearing my, what my wife was saying was not at all what she was saying to me. Mm -hmm. Right. You we've know, had that. What, that yeah, happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, we have that yeah. happen. And usually it's him to me. Because there's there's social cues and things that are going on or time, you know, time is an issue too. like our our morning routine is so very quick. We see each other maybe five minutes of a morning before he leaves for work. And it's it's 
it's catching those things during that time, you know, so there's a lot of nuances to communication. And there are times when you hear what's not said or uh, assume, right? Assume what's not said. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's a whole different issue is <laughs> the assuming wrongly that that's something that we would encourage people to also check out. That's probably not for today, but um, a third, the third uh, statement that's one that we really need to make sure we stay away from is anything that means, well, that's not the way I would have done it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because that just belittles your spouse and their efforts on whatever it is that, you know, they had just put into it. And it, it really, it really can be harmful if your spouse's love language is acts of service. And they have just performed an act of oh, service, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or, you know, and along comes the spouse and's like, well, that's not how I would have done it, you know, and it's like, oh, I, you know, it, I'd be my my love language is not acts of service, you know, but I can imagine that I would have been crushed if that if that had played out in our marriage oh, yeah. at any time. Well, of course, I mean, that would deflate me. OK, yes. because it's telling me you did it. You did it all wrong. That's what I'm hearing. You know, and then I feel like I just put all this effort into doing this for you and right. it's not appreciated. Right. And the, and the real thing that's going to be important for every one of the listeners to hear is whenever you develop a new habit, regardless of what the new habit is, there's going to be times where you are, are growing in small stages. So you're going to be doing it it's a little a bit curve. wrong right. before you do it right. And curve. something like that's not the way I would have done it can stop the progress and, and just kill it. You know, I've seen this play out too, not not just as as acts of service, you know, or or um, uh, like a behavior or doing something, but also in decision making skills. And a lot of times, it plays out like that's how it plays out from a wife to a husband. A husband makes a decision, and that's his place. He's the leader of the family, so he has made this decision. And the wife says, mm, "That's not how I'd have done it," and. <laughs> There it goes. It's gone south or or that has belittled his decision on how he would have done it. You know, and there's several ways that 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 can be corrected. One is to be talking about how to make that decision ahead of time. Like, you know, one spouse just not making that decision on their own, you know, but both of them talking about the pros and cons of, you know, each of the decisions that could be made, you know, how that situation could go so that they know that they're on the same page when the husband does make that decision. Well, and you know, that again, a lot of this comes down to real communication instead of just talking at each other. Mm -hmm. um, right. But this gives us an opportunity uh, instead of saying, well, that's not the way that I would have done it. One of the things that, that we are still learning, but we're really grateful that we've learned a lot in the process is to make sure that we talk things through. There, there are decisions that are mind to make. But I have conversations with her, not only because I value her opinion and want to know if the things that I'm getting ready to do make sense, but then I can also find out if there's a place where I can help in any, it truly help her in any mm -hmm. way. If there's something that would cause her fear and anxiety, and there's a, a second choice that's equally valid for me, you know, if two things, if I'm deciding between two that I think are both equally good, 
And I hear that one of them causes her fear or anxiety. By talking about it first, I'm able to make a better decision. She didn't make the decision for me, but I found out this is best for us. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so when we, when we look at those types of things, this gives us an opportunity instead of saying that's not the way I would have done it to talk to each other, to become our each other's most trusted advisor to encourage one another. But then also this gives us the opportunity to practice coming alongside one another. Um, you know, God's given us the privilege. He sees us as one and being able to come alongside each other. Um, you know, everybody stumbles a little bit. When your spouse is beside you, you don't fall all the way down. You just bump into them a little bit and they help you stay up. And that's yeah. kind of what this looks like. Yeah. It creates a trust factor that. Um, is important in a marriage because I can, like, he's acting trustworthily. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> got it now. Yeah. <laughs> trustworthily, you know. And so the the consequence of that is that I learn I can trust him in the right. decisions that he's making because I know that he's considering what's best for me mm-hmm. in the decisions that he's making. So that creates a trust in the relationship mm-hmm. that you know, is it, it goes a long, it goes a long way in, in solidifying our, our marriage. It oh, does, yeah. but it's something that takes a very long time to uh, create and then maintain. And it only takes one really bad decision to, to cause it to crumble. But, you know, I, we, we get to hear people say, uh, you know, my wife should trust me. And the question that often gets asked is, are you acting in a way that's trustworthy? And so for, for men, if you want to, men, if you want to be intentional, I want to be intentional. And one of the things that I need to remember to do is to act in a way that's trustworthy. Um, when I do that, then it's legitimate for me to pray that my wife would, would trust me. Yep. But, you know, it needs to start with that question within ourselves. Are we acting in a way that's trustworthy? And I think it's an attitude. Uh, when I'm hearing this, I think it's, it's that it's an attitude with my wife that, and then she can trust me with it a lot better, you know? Um, but of course, all that's the way you, you present something. Let's be honest uh, it is. as well. And like you said, it takes time because um, I think part of the problem is maturity yeah. in some ways, uh, you know, as we get older, hopefully we get better with these things, but you know, honestly, a lot of these we've done, we've all been guilty of doing, especially probably in the first part of our marriage, Oh yeah, right. You know, as we're really getting to know the other person, but also get past looking at us and seeing our spouse for who they are, being able to see them, not just be with them, but see them and what matters to them and what's important to them. So, right. So let's go to number four. All right, I'll, I'll go ahead and take number four. I'll let Leslie take number five. Number four, um, don't say something that implies stop being so emotional. And now, don't say stop being so emotional. Being so emotional. Uh, because one of the things that we talked about earlier, there are differences uh, between men and women. And one of the things that has been um, difficult for a lot of us as men is not being able to fully process one of the main differences. Men tend, not always, there's always exceptions. Men tend to be problem solvers who think it through and then maybe later will feel something about it. Mm -hmm. But we want to get in and fix it. Ladies tend, of course, with the same number of exceptions, ladies tend to 
feel a certain way about something, which then dictates the way that they will choose to solve the problem. So they'll feel about it first, then they'll think it through. We tend to think about it first, then maybe we'll feel something about it. And as a result, it can lead to a real problem. That difference is a beautiful thing. But if all we do is say, you're just being emotional, we're discounting the process. Yeah, I think that discounting the process is huge because, it, you know, when you say something like that to somebody, whether it's husbands saying that to their wives or wives saying that to their husbands, it it literally invalidates that genuine emotion that that person is feeling like that emotion is real. You know yes. what they're feeling is real. It may be um, inconsequential in the big picture. Um, it may be. Uh, um, the word that I use in the counseling office is illegitimate. It may be due to um, internal factors that don't match the circumstance. Um, and it, but regardless of what it is, it may be genuine to the to the circumstance too. But regardless of what it is, the spouse doesn't. The other spouse coming alongside, coming alongside, and invalidating those those feelings just undermines the connection of the relationship. And if you're working to be intentional in your relationship, like that connection should be a very big priority, whether you agree with what the emotions are or not. That's the key. So men, men, let me go ahead and speak to you on this on this uh, category. You might not ever feel what your wife is feeling. But it doesn't mean that what she's feeling, therefore, doesn't have value or merit. Um, mm. You know, even after it's all done, you might not at all feel any of the things she felt. Yep. But but and you don't have you to understand it. You know, but when yeah, you dismiss right. it, then then you're not able to actually be what you're so desperately wanting to be. Because what is it we almost always want to be? We want to be the ones that fix it. We want to be the knight in shining armor, rides in and fixes it. We're ready to kill some dragons. We're ready, <laughs> we're ready to make things better because we love our spouse. But when we invalidate those emotions, what we're saying and, and what we don't mean to do, we're thinking, I don't feel that way. And so we blow it off. What we need to do is acknowledge it, understanding we might not ever feel the way she does. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Because in the end, it, you, you may, there have been times I'm like, not understanding my wife. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not understanding what we're just talking about. This emotion and feeling she's having, but it's very real to her. Right. And if I am dismissive of that with her, it's breaking our relationship. It's mm -hmm. taking us backwards, not forward, because then it goes back to that other and three, what we were talking about, trust, yeah. you know, trusting. It, it's breaking some of that there. Um, oh, yeah. And then by also saying that I'm hurting her, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to hurt my wife, right. you know. And sometimes I think as men, we get frustrated when we can't fix it. Yes. We it's learned early on. Yeah, we learned early on in our marriage that Doug needed to ask me, do you need me to fix it or do you just need me to listen? Because I'm not I just to learned that, Doug. I just learned that. And and yeah. I'm and that that has that is a great point. It's a game changer, isn't it? It is. Be because now I don't have to worry about what I have to do at this moment. Right. All I have to do at this moment is she needs someone to talk mm -hmm. to. 
And see, isn't it great that, that we've discovered, because I discovered the same thing. If she'll let me know, um, I don't need you to fix this. I need to tell you about my day because you're the person who's most important in my life. I need to tell you about it. I don't need you to fix it. And I'm probably going to cry. If, if she can tell me that ahead of time, I, I'm good with you're that. Good with I can it, do yeah. that because now <laughs> I know how I can make it better. Because what is it that drives that I want to fix it? We're trying to make it better. Right. Well, right. if all it takes to make it better is to truly listen and not try to solve the problem, I've just made it better. That's what I want to do. She's yeah. just told me how. Yes, she did. And, and if you're like me, I don't like to see my wife cry. No. So if we don't have, if I don't have this knowledge up front and she starts, <laughs> I want to go hurt somebody, you know? Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a great lesson to right. learn and to be able to communicate to one another. Right. So if any of you ladies are, are watching this with your husbands right now, or if you're watching it by yourself, even you can be such a valuable, valuable uh, help to your husband. If you will just slow down to tell him, I just need you to listen. I really, I love your heart that wants to fix it. I don't need you to fix this. That yeah. will help us more than I can tell you ladies. Or yeah. I just need you to fix this because right. <laughs> I'm emotionally spent. I can't do anything else right now. Like I need you to fix this. That's just, good knowledge. Too. Yeah. Just step in and fix it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's, yep. that's all basic communication, basic communication. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome right there. So number five, mm -hmm. number five, and I'm, I, I, I am going to stereotype here a little bit, but I'm probably, this is probably mostly for the women. Okay. okay. I, but it's, but it's totally stereotyped. So women forgive me. So the <laughs> number five is I told you so. Right. And that's usually, I mean, stereotypically, <laughs> that's something that the wives say. Right. Mm -hmm. But that, that, that I told you so comes across with a tone of inferiority and if your husband or the, you know, the husband in this situation has an inferiority complex, they're already feeling inferior, like that's just hammering at home. And it's just not a good place. It totally undermines the relationship. It undermines the connection. And it's never, never, here we're using the word never. It's, I, well, I will say never. It is never a good idea to keep score. And that's right. kind of what this does is if you're keeping score in your relationship, mm -hmm. then that I told you so is a one up and I just gained a point over you kind of attitude. And it's, it just really undermines the connection in the relationship. And me as a husband, I feel like I'm a failure. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, So I failed is what I did in that comment. And mm -hmm. that it's defeating. Yeah, it's defeating. Well, and, you know, the whole purpose is for us to be able to do things that will draw us closer, more intimate. Mm -hmm. This does exactly the opposite of that. And, you know, there are let's let's just go ahead and, and, and share this out loud. There are times where you had a disagreement with your spouse and the idea that you had was what ended up happening. Okay, so there are times where I told you so would be truthful, but there's not a time when I told you so is helpful. helpful right? You know, that's the mm. thing. I, I want to make sure that the audience. Okay, that's good. That. You know, because there are times where you were right. Yeah. Yes. But 
we get the privilege to be each other's helpmates. And is it going to help your spouse when you're like, I told you so? Right. It's not going to help them. The fix there is to come in with uh, with some humility, yeah. you know, the humility that we're called to before the Lord and to be able to say, you were right. And I appreciate the fact that, you know, you understood how to do it or X, Y, you know, whatever X, Y, Z is. But to come in with some humility there and just saying, well, I'm glad that you were right. I was wrong. My way wouldn't have worked, you know. Hmm. Easy to easy to say, really hard to really do. Really hard just, to do. We're just telling you right now, that one's hard to do. But it's something that uh, is is going to help your marriage if you're ever able to do that. Right. Well, I'll be honest. All these are really easy when you look at, but they're <laughs> behaviors that are hard to change right. when you are so used to doing life right. that way. Right. So. Well, and and the the last one that we wanted to look at today is one that um, we see too often. It may not be these words, but we see the idea played out way too often. You want to share what the phrase is? Sure. Yes, the phrase puts a conditional a conditionality. Is that an, is that a word too? Mm -hmm. I'm short on my words today. <laughs> a conditionality on the behavior in a relationship, and that's if you loved me, you would. Whatever mm. you if would you love do, me. right? If you love me, you would do this or that or X, Y, Z or whatever. You know, if you loved me, you would. And that puts such a condition on the relationship that it, it, um, I don't know, it's a relationship killer. It just, well, and there's a couple I, of reasons. I think so. I agree. I think that's the least healthy of all these that you've mentioned. Yeah. yeah. That right there is because it's the, manipulative. That's, that's yes. The key. It's manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And God doesn't take kindly to manipulation. In fact, he equates it to witchcraft in the Bible. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really good right there. And you know, you know we see men and women both do this. You know, mm -hmm. if you love me, you would do it to try to control. And they don't even realize they're trying to control some of the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I totally agree. And. I wish as people are listening to this, to if they to ask them to be honest with yourself if you if you do any of these, because you we have the ability to change. Oh, yeah. um, one of the things, and I won't get into it long, but I'll tell you sh shortly. Shortly, I'm using your words. Uh, <laughs> how this went was a friend of mine approached me over how I teased my wife when we went out to dinner, and. At first, I didn't like what he said, kind of put my walls up. But then I was like, it's a good friend. My wife has been even saying, I, I just don't listen. You know, I, I started doing it and I changed my behavior. And it didn't take very long that I saw a difference in my wife and how she responded back to me. And then I saw walls going. I didn't realize I was putting walls, her walls up, you know. And ever since we've done that, it's kind of changed how we're communicating to one another. Because this is the woman I love. So let's have an intentionality to this. I love her. So if I truly love her, I need to be selfless. Mm -hmm. And I need to quit thinking about myself and thinking about her needs. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm hoping she's doing then doing the same back, right? But right. we are. And in that, then we're communicating better. And we're, we're, 
we see each other for who as individuals who we are that makes us better together than in that intimacy you talked about earlier how important this learning these things builds intimacy right. with one another right and one of the things we've discovered is that satan loves nothing more than to drive a wedge yeah. in any relationship yeah. he loves to destroy marriage relationships just absolutely loves it and he uses the same lies that he tried to use when he, when he or that he used when he tried to tempt Jesus because you know Jesus as the son of God when he was tempted in the desert you know he was trying to tempt him with you know just you know worship me and I'll give you all the land you see we already owned it all you know right. uh, throw yourself down save your and call the angels to save yourself you know all those things that he was tempting him with basically were saying you know, you know who you are. You deserve to be rescued. You deserve all of these things. And that same lie uh, is is shared with us uh, because Satan would love to tempt you to say you deserve better treatment in this marriage. Mm -hmm. You deserve something more. And, and so, you know, to try to control that, you say, well, if you loved me the right way, you'd do this for me or you would say this or you'd change here and and looking at it that way is is looking at marriage in a contractual agreement mm -hmm. god says marriage is a covenant not mm -hmm. a contract and like and that. so the the fix is being able to love in a covenant way um, there's several different ways we explain that. Uh, you know, you have to start with yourself. You got to clean up your own side of the street. Uh, but, uh, you know, Leslie, the, what are the things that are most important to you about living in a covenant way? And then I'll share a couple of the things that are important to me. Well, Michael, I think you hit it right on the right on the head when you said that the behaviors that you changed started bringing down your wife's walls. Like mm -hmm. that's the first thing in a, in a covenant relationship is that we have to realize that our behavior is the only behavior that we have control over. Yeah. And it is influential when we're in a relationship, like you changed your behavior for the better and it affected your whole, your whole relationship, your whole household. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but you chose to do that. And that wasn't like you pointing the finger and saying, okay, well, I will, I'll, you know, clean up my side of the street. If you clean up your side of the yeah. street, that's kind of what we, you know, what we talk about, but you started seeing her behavior change because you changed your behavior. And I Correct. think a lot of times we get caught up in a, a contractual relationship. Well, he's not going to do this, or I have to do this and he's not going to be able to do anything. You know, that, that sort of, I'll scratch my back. If you scratch your back or you have to scratch my back first before I'm going to do anything. You know, and that's not the way God has intended for for it to be. He's intended for us to be in a covenant relationship, mm -hmm. which looks a lot like what you can explain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the the big difference, as Leslie was talking about with the contract, too often people look at their marriage think, and they think, I'll do what I promised I would do, but only if you hold up your end of the mm -hmm. bargain. If you let me down then I'm released from my obligations to do things mm. for you. And we see marriages struggle. We even see marriages fall apart under that kind of contract thinking. God calls a marriage a covenant. And he shows us what a covenant relationship looks like. Here's the basic difference. In a covenant, I will do what I promised I would do just because I promised. 
not because you held up your end of the bargain or not, not because you're making me happy or not, um, not because you're doing the right things. I promised I would, so I will. And that's it. Where in a contract, if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, I don't have to do what I said I would do anymore. You know, if I hire you to put a fence around my yard and you only complete two sides of it, I don't have to pay you. Right. But too many people try to think that their marriage can operate under those same types of contractual law where God says it's a covenant. And he demonstrated to us what it looks like. I'm so grateful that God relates to me in a covenant rather than what I deserve, because I don't deserve the grace he gives. I don't deserve the mercy he gives or the love. And so I'm thankful for covenant relationship. Yeah, I I love that because. You know, I can't think, I can think of all these people who I've talked to who watch the podcast and friends and things like that, that um, we struggle. And I think it's because we're, we, we're not seen as a covenant with one mm-hmm. another. We are seeing it as a contract, you know, and, and I, I don't know how many times I heard, and even in my own life, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, there's been times I behaved that way in it. And you're not going to get the results you want Mm-mm. from that, you know? No. So if we can intentionally change how we think and see these things, it's really going to benefit our marriage and what we're doing. And as, you know, intentional guy, as we mm-hmm. have husbands listening to this right now, as a husband, I like what you said earlier. We, we can't change what someone else does. But I, I am responsible for what I do. Mm-hmm. And so where do I need change at in my life? And listening to this podcast today, is there areas that I can change? I bet it's easy to sit here. And I bet some people have looked at it and go, yep, she does this. Yep, she does that. <laughs> you know, it's easy to point at other people and see what they do wrong, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hard sometimes to look at where I'm failing where I'm lacking in and can be better. But if we can do that and we can change that, let me tell you, you, you said it earlier, my wife and my relationship became better and my family life became better. It blossomed past just me and my wife's relationship, but even to our kids, you know, as well. And that's because God honors. I mean, when, when we attempt to do things in, a godly way, God honors that. And we're not perfect. We're, you know, we're going to mess up at times, but God honors those efforts. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on here today. And just, I I love this, gives us a lot of um, food for thought today. A lot of things, a lot of takeaways here for people. But before we close, I want you guys to talk about your podcast and your ministry with us and where we can find out. I will put stuff in the description below, but I would love for you to just speak on that for a few moments. Sure, sure. Well, we started, we launched not too long ago, the Vision Driven Marriage Podcast. And we launched that out of a dream of, of really being intentional with mm-hmm. a vision in our marriage because God doesn't intend for marriages to not thrive. I mean, God intends marriage to thrive, right? Right. And he gives us a vision and he gives us the the ways in which that we are supposed to do that. And um, so we launched the Vision Driven Marriage Podcast Mm -hmm. and that can be found where you subscribe to any podcast. I mean, it's on all of the players. 
And so, so you can find us there and you can also find us over at, um, uh, um, drawing a blank. I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, heartcallministries.org. There yeah. we go. I do that every now and then. You know, it's like a brain fart. I know. <laughs> yeah. And so heartcallministries.org is our website and you can find a lot of uh, free resources on the mm. website. Right. Um, and if you want a little more information that's kind of related to what we were talking about today, we're going to have a, a PDF available uh, on heartcallministries.org about some of the arrogant marriage mistakes that you can make and how you can avoid those. And so uh, if anybody's interested, we'd encourage you to go to heartcallministries.org to check that out. Yeah. And every Friday, um, our, a new episode drops for our podcast and we interview folks kind of like you do, but then uh, we follow it up for the next three weeks with a teaching about whatever they talked oh, wow. about. We try to get spiritual application. So uh, we try to break it down into, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make this where it's as simple as God says his word mm -hmm. is. He mm -hmm. says, it's simple enough that a child can understand it. We're trying to make sure that that we don't convolute it with the things we just share God's word. And <laughs> here's how you can how you can do that. And so this is every Friday it comes on. Yeah, every, every Friday time? a new episode drops. It oh, it drops at like four a.m. Gotcha. Great. So, so unless you go on the way to work, I love to listen to podcasts and things like that. And while I'm at yeah. work. You know, and unless you're going to the gym at like 3 a.m., then you won't miss it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me either. <laughs> well, again, thank you guys both for being here. Thank you for sharing and being really authentic and open with us on this. And to my listeners, I hope you will go check out the, in the descriptions, go look at these, and especially for added resources in our life. And until next week, just keep being intentional. We'll talk to you later. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the intentional guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and got some real value out of it. Tell others what you learned and share the podcast. If you think they would benefit from it too, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform, leave a review and consider checking out our website, intentionalguy.org to learn more about us and get in touch. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time.